Hello, and welcome to the MBA Summit Podcast Edition, where we're diving into the topics prospective MBA candidates actually care about and giving you real answers from real students. I'm John Byrne, Editor-in-Chief of Poets and Quants. In this episode of Real Students, Real Issues, we're taking a closer look at the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion in B-School. We'll be chatting with two current MBA students about why it matters and how to pick a school that really cares. So let's meet today's guest. We have Billy Grant, who is graduating from Michigan Ross in the class of 20. He's done two internships at Twitter in San Francisco, where he may end up, but we'll never know, uh, during this podcast at least. Uh, and then we have Ali Morbitzer, who also is a classmate of Billy's uh, and will graduate in 20. And she is headed for Deloitte Consulting in San Francisco. Hi, guys. Thanks for having us today. Yes, thank you. So, how can prospective MBA students evaluate a program on the basis of inclusivity? It's a hard thing to know. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think when I was looking for what school that I was interested in, um, I knew from the outset, from a little bit of research that I had done on the start about how small Latina populations were across the board at schools. So I knew that was something that I really wanted to make sure that I felt supported with. Um, so I started doing a little bit of basic research like does a school have a diversity recruiting event or what does that community look like? And I ended up visiting, I think it was 13 different schools to make my 13, 13 um, to make my final choice. And there were some schools that I got there and it was just instantly, it wasn't the right fit because I felt like more of like a, like, Ooh, woman plus Latina. Perfect. Check, check. Um, whereas with, <laughs> with some of the other schools, it just felt more natural. You didn't want to be a token. I did not. Hard, and I, hard no. <laughs> and, and I should point out that Allie is uh, very much involved in the Ross Hispanic Business Students Association. Uh, you were co-chair of Close Diversity Weekend. We'll get into that later on. Uh, and you're not only joining Deloitte, but you're going to be in the human capital practice. Yep. And I'm also our uh, vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion here at Ross, too. Right. So, Billy. Yeah. So, on that note, I, w I would just quickly mimic um, some background information is that both my parents were in the military. Growing up, I moved around a lot. So I got to see instances of predominantly white environments at some bases. Um, and then aside from that, growing up in the D.C. area, you know, all of my best friends, you know, Hamza, Andreas, like the full spectrum of diversity. Um, so really being able to balance those different environments and understanding the value of being in diverse environments has always been really important to me. And I will say like, when assessing programs, you can, of course, like look at like the hard statistics that are released. Um, but on a deeper level, I think it's just generally best to actually come face to face if you can um, with the people there representing the school to really get a good feel. And like we mentioned, there are a lot of good um, programming options, et cetera. I know at Ross in particular. Um, that give you the chance to come face-to-face -face when you are deciding between programs. Um, and I don't know. I think it's just a great opportunity to actually see what's real in front of you um, when making your decision and really getting a feel for each program. And it's also okay to ask to talk to current students and alumni. I know for me that that was something that um, I was asking so many different admissions directors here at Ross and otherwise to talk to um, different Latinas that were current students and also alums 
in brand management because that's what I thought I wanted to do coming in. And that was really helpful too, especially some of the alums that were able to kind of look back at it with clear eyes. I think that's good advice because, you know, you can't tell a whole lot from the published class profile on a web page, in part because uh, schools define URM differently, and the percentage of people who are underrepresented minorities doesn't really tell you much about real inclusion. Very true. Yeah. So how did Michigan Ross measure up since you're here, Allie? It it went well. I think with this, I came to go to the recruitment weekend, which is up close, but it's also in conjunction with Wilk. So women and underrepresented minorities. So I was here for four days. And by day two, I pretty much knew that if I got in, I was coming. Um, It just felt, I felt the community. You could see that people genuinely liked each other. It was a large community of both underrepresented minorities, but also allies. And there was friendship that crossed where it wasn't as much of an insular community, which I really, really liked. Um, even just taking some time to sit in our commons and see people interact with each other was, was really interesting because you saw a lot of joy. And I knew that what I wanted was that sort of connection. I knew I wanted to come out with really strong relationships. So that was really important to me. Billy, how about you? Well, you mentioned a few of those conferences, and I, and I went to the Will Conference as an ally. And just being able to be in those shared spaces where, you know, you're around these people all the time, but you don't always actually have the pointed questions to chew on and talk back and forth with people um, to learn a bit more about their experiences. And, you know, just being exposed to people from these different backgrounds, from professional diversity, um, your like physical diversity and your identities, um, and then geographic diversity, it, it opens your awareness um, just basic conversations here and there. And when you do have these opportunities to intentionally mix with people to discuss these topics, um, it can be pretty eye-opening in general, and you can't get that without being around that diversity in the first place. So how have you benefited from learning in a diverse environment? I'll circle back to just step one is awareness, right? Uh, You don't know what you don't know. Um, And there have been many instances from, you know, just the way th- people do things differently um, across the world or even, you know, in your own backyard um, can be eye-opening because we all get in our habits and our way of thinking based on our lived experience. Um, so every once in a while, you know, you'll be surprised on little things, but also in terms of working your way through life and uh, approaching problems differently, um, having these different angles uh, can be really informative and challenging your pre-existing assumptions. Yeah. And even to build on that, um, we do group projects in almost every class, which can be tough logistically, but being able to have the opportunity to work through things with so many different types of people has been really, really interesting. And exactly what Billy had just mentioned about just an eye-opening experience and being able to explore the same problem, but with very, very drastically different mindsets and experiences. Yeah, and you can ultimately end up being, you know, complementary teammates. Um, you know, everyone comes with a certain idea of how we should attack a problem, but you find out, you know, during the forming and storming stages of group work, um, how different approaches can be effective. I would imagine that group work in the beginning uh, is more difficult than it is in the end. I mean, that should be uh, part of what you learn, how to work through a group and its differences is that true? Have you found that? 
Um, I think so, especially when you first come into school and it's very jarring, even if you have a professional degree coming back after a couple years in the workforce, um, you're learning how to be a student again. You've taken out a very large amount of debt. Um, you are with a lot of other high performers. So it's not just learning how to navigate different experiences. It's also okay, what does that look like with all of these stressors? Um, and I think just like a lot of the current research on diversity shows that even though that sort of challenge with diversity can lead to conflict, it can also lead to lots of creativity. Um, and so I think that getting past that hard stage is where the magic happens. And, and I would just say in general, looking back on the experiences I've had, there, there are few windows um, in your life, I guess, where you would be pushed uh, to go beyond what's comfortable, you know, like your first year in a freshman dorm, you know, you're thrown in with all these people and you can't control it. And like, you know, you interact with people and that you might not have ever interacted with in the first place. True. And it's kind of like that at the start of the MBA program, especially when you're forced the way we have it designed for the core curriculum, you know, you're randomly assigned to your groups initially. Um, which is, you know, you just go with the process and you experience things differently. Whereas, if left to your own devices, you know, you might stick with the people you met first um, and never really get that full mixture of people you get to interact with. So tell us about a time when having access to a different viewpoint actually changed your position on a topic or at least made you think differently about it. Allie? Um, I think even in some of those group projects, especially when you're looking at some of the global um, cases that come up where you might have your very U.S. centric, um, viewpoint and having international students come be part of your group is so helpful because they might bring something in, especially with an emerging market, if that's their home market or one that they've had business experience with, that just because of the nature of the experiences that you come in with or your own experiences that you'd never considered before. And so now, even though something might seem obvious, being able to look at a case or look at a news story, you might think of things differently. I know that I do for sure. So um, we have some small group dinners based on different groups you're a part of at Ross. I'm a Michigan businesswomen ally. And we did have a dinner the other night. Um, it was a group of five of us. And we were ha having pretty like intentional conversations around being an ally and, you know, what it's like to be a woman in business. And, you know, there was like this normal narrative that we brought up to make sure we were reinforcing speaking up for people when they're not present, you know, being a good ally. Um, but then another person was challenging that like default statement of saying, you know, even when that other person is there, speaking on their behalf so the burden doesn't fall on them um, is, is a really important aspect of being an ally. I hadn't really, you know, taken the time to really uh, think about that before. Huh. Now, promoting a culture of inclusivity and diversity on campus is sort of the responsibility of students and staff and faculty. Uh, how do you do your part, Allie? Um, I'm, I tend to be an overcommitter. So <laughs> I am involved in leadership in Hispanic Business Student Association. Um, I'm also the VP of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for the MBA Council. So that tends to be everything from trying to help make structural and institutional change to also implementing different things like our diversity week um, to also being a co-chair for Up Close, which is our diversity recruitment weekend. Ah. Now, give me an example of some structural change you're working on. 
So one of the issues that comes up across the board at different MBA programs is increasing the number of faculty of color and faculty who are women. And with the MBA council role, there's a committee of about 35 students who make up the DEI subcommittees. And there's one of them on inclusive classrooms. And they look at across the board how students can feel more included, both in terms of What do the protagonists and cases look like to what are the conversations that we're having with deans to ensure that as we're looking to recruit additional staff and additional faculty that they do reflect the student body and the way that those demographics are changing to if something problematic is said in the classroom, how is this being addressed to empower different students? Mm. And Billy, other than going to dinner (laughs) as an ally, what do you do? Yeah, so I think in general, I've just largely been focused on trying to soak up all of the stories and awareness I possibly can, Um, just trying to be a good listener, because I know once I leave this school, it'll I'll never be in an environment like it again. Um, And I think it's really important to have these takeaways to apply throughout my career in management moving forward. Um, So I can, one, look out for my team on a on a team basis, but also as you progress, how you go forward setting policies, because the policies you do set as a manager in business um, affects the people who are attracted to work for you and thrive underneath you. I think that's true. I mean, in many cases, most students will go on to organizations that are not nearly as diverse nor inclusive as their business school environment. Um, I think it's, that's, that's sort of a, an unusual case because many times academia lags the real world. I think in this case, it kind of leads the real world. I think it depends on where you're looking in terms of seniority. A lot of MBA students are coming out not at entry level where there tends to be a lot more diversity um, in, in the real world. So even though all business schools have a long way to go in terms of diversity, the sad truth is the boardroom is like, light years behind most of, more often than not. Yeah. And I would also say it depends on the industry you're looking to mm-hmm. go into. Um, so I've spent my past two summers in tech um, where it really is at the top of mind for them. And they really do seem to be trying um, in good faith of changing things structurally in terms of how they do things. But I know, you know, other industries and I know people have experienced things on map and their consulting projects, you know, that are a little bit of a, of a different um, experience from what they might be used to. Um, so just understanding the starting level of the industry you're going into will help you understand what steps might need to be taken in certain instances um, relative to the industry. And since I come from California, I can tell you that broke culture is alive and well in Silicon Valley. <laughs> so not all tech companies are created equal. Not yet. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so, 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 Allie, can you tell me about your role in the Ross Hispanic Business Students Association and what you've been involved in there? Sure. So I'm the VP of Marketing and Operations. Um, so I directly support our president who has frankly been killing it in terms of creating not only just a place to have social events, but also education events. So that way, those who are within the umbrella of Latino identity, as well as allies can come learn a little bit more about what that means and what being a Latino in the United States means today. So what we do is we do a little bit of marketing, which is everything from a newsletter to hosting events. So, for example, at Diversity Week, which happened here at Ross last week, 
clubs could come through and host their own events. So Hispanic Business Student Association did a Latin American cooking class. Um, and it was, it was pretty well attended. What did you make? We had uh, tortas, which are, um, it's kind of like an open-faced, I guess the easiest way to describe it without having a picture in front of you is almost like a flat tortilla that's oh, I hard. Know what it's like. Yeah, with different toppings on top. But so yeah, we had a we had that that type of event and we have several other different types of engagement throughout the year. And it also goes to also making sure that when Latino students who are prospective students are looking at what does this community look like that we're having conversations with prospective students that were open to having, answering whatever questions come up um, or when they come to visit, making sure that somebody, multiple people are available to meet there. Right. And Billy, you earlier referred to MAP and I should point out that that is the big experiential learning project uh, that every MBA uh, takes at uh, Michigan Ross and is a differentiating part of the program. Uh, I'm wondering if in MAP you had an experience that really focused on diversity, inclusion, and and how MBA students got involved in that. It's funny because, so my MAP project was um, helping consult a tech startup in Lima, Peru. And one of their initiatives was trying to get more um, Latin American tech talent into tech roles. Um, and so we were trying to understand where the biggest gaps were in terms of, you know, addressing uh, user pain points and, you know, what we could do to entice people to basically get into positions where they will, one, be more rewarded based on salary, et cetera, um, but also meet the needs of these businesses. And we did find um, that there were a lot of resources um, for, like, software engineers, et cetera, but there was a real lack of uh, mentorship for a lot of them. So one of the target markets we were focusing on during this initiative was how can we better serve uh, mentorship opportunities for young women software engineers in Latin America, um, where currently those needs are not being met, you know, because predominantly in software engineering, it is a largely male-dominated field. Um, so it's like, what could we do to encourage like the learning and mentorship opportunities for uh, budding Latina software engineers? So your MAP project actually hit the bullseye on diversity. It didn't start that way, but when we did our user research, we realized that was like a legitimate area of opportunity uh, for both the business and for these people who really were looking for additional yeah, support. Wow. Yeah. Allie, did you have a similar experience? Ours was um, a human capital DEI project. Um, my team worked with a global manufacturing company to address their challenges with recruiting, retaining, and developing women and people of color. So our team traveled to Luxembourg and Shanghai, to, and we ended up meeting with over 75 different people from all different seniority levels at their company um, to really see where that pain point was happening, where the break was happening, and why it seemed that there was a major ceiling for women and people of color, and then presented those findings to our company. And um, we're happy to see some of our recommendations implemented already. Now, is this because you get to choose your MAP project? I know you bid on them, right? So you get the whole list, and then you rank your top 15. Yes. Um, and then you have to... You, you rank them in order. You have to provide a little bit of context for the top 10, I think. Um, and so then you also provide context for what you're looking to get out of it, whether it's travel, whether it's experience in the industry you're trying to break into, whether it's particular skills. Um, it really runs the gamut for each person, and then you get matched. Most people get to their top one or two. 
Yeah, it's really just ranking like why you're interested in this project and what will you bring to the team and also what you're looking to get out of it. You have to provide those general buckets um, and then you do rank and then beyond that, that, that goes into the matching process of which one you end up getting. So your own interest in diversity inclusion uh, led probably to these assignments then? Def- I definitely wanted to get um, I'd never been to South America before. I, I know they have some budding tech scenes, et cetera. So it was a, it was a landscape I was really interested in exploring, getting right. just general exposure to. So, Billy, you're a dual degree candidate. You're also getting a master's in another subject, right? Yes. And that's one of the reasons you came to Michigan. Yes. Yeah, so I'm a dual degree um, studying human-computer interaction as well. And one of the main reasons I came to Michigan was because, one— they have so many great top grad programs across the board, and I knew the barriers between the grad programs were pretty low, um, especially compared to some other programs I was looking at. Um, you could not take classes between programs, and at Michigan, you know, it was almost encouraged. Um, so I, I'm so happy I made that decision because once I was here, um, I loved my human-computer interaction program, but I was also interested in business coursework. And they have this dual degree program here that uh, is is really inclusive of both. And I was able to take advantage of that and basically meld these two degrees together. So it's kind of a, you get both experiences in three years. So that's that's where I'm at right now in my third and final year. So the other thing you two share, other than being classmates, is you were both consortium fellows. Uh, how did that lead you here? So the Consortium for Graduate Study and Management is an organization that is really, really tailored to increasing the number of Black, Latino, and Native American presence in business school and business leaders. And so that was also another signal that Michigan really took this commitment to inclusivity really seriously. How so? Well, Michigan actually leads of all the now 20 schools that are involved in consortium, leads in the number of total alumni, and for the last several years continues to have back-to-back the largest consortium class of incoming students. Mm. So, no doubt, diversity is a topic dominating today's business conversations, and rightfully so. But how can MBA grads take it upon themselves to drive diversity in the workforce? Now, you two are going to join organizations, and uh, I imagine that the organizations you're going to join, uh, Deloitte in particular, and Billy, it's, we'll see which one you go to, um, will very much have at the heart of their culture the need for a diverse talent pool, right? Because I can't imagine the two of you working anywhere else. Once you get there, what are you going to do? How are you going to make it better? Um, I think that starts while you're an MBA. Um, as Billy and I have both mentioned, this is a time where you're around such a diverse group. So making sure that you're being cognizant about learning and growing from others and challenging yourself to have uncomfortable conversations while you're at school is an invaluable skill once you get back into the workforce. And being able to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think oftentimes MBAs go into these really, really high-pressure jobs, and it's so easy to seek the safety of familiarity. So if you are already challenging yourself in an uncomfortable situation to live within that discomfort, that's something that you're going to carry with you. I think it also goes with what Billy was talking about earlier in making sure that where you have space to be an ally, take it. Because if you're using action, 
that does so much more than just words. Anybody can say words, but if they're empty, it doesn't mean anything and nothing's going to change. But if you're actively seeking being a very, very vocal and demonstrative ally, that's one way to start enabling others to take those steps to be uncomfortable too. True. I, uh, I would say, you know, in general, I, I've, I've said it a few times, but prioritizing like listening, because it's amazing when you ask intentional questions, um, the answers you can get from people to really understand, oh wait, like that friction you're facing is actionable. Like there are things we could do to help reduce your burden in this regard, right? And if you are an ally in that regard, right, you can do it based on, you know, how can you make the workplace better for women? How can you make the workplace, for example, better for people working remotely? You know, when you when you make some of these changes that are like allyship across the board, um, you realize different ways you can improve things for one group that ultimately benefits, you know, the working lifestyle of everyone. Billy, Allie, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And thanks to you out there uh, for tuning in today. If you're in the market for more content like this, be sure to check out our new MBA Summit podcast, uh, including our alumni series, Beyond the Classroom, The Real ROI. You can also visit the Michigan Ross website to learn more about what you've heard today. This is John Byrne, and you've been listening to Real Students, Real Issues as part of the MBA Summit presented by Michigan Ross.